The Cabs Through Everything Around Me podcast. This podcast is powered by Mountain Fuel, nutrition for runners, cyclists and triathletes. And you can get 10% off all orders by heading to their website and entering in the code, it's all good 10. On episode seven, I am proud to be joined by Darren Smith, the artist also known as Runner's Knees. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. If you find that it resonates with you, please spread the word on social media and let me know your thoughts. Without further ado, let's get the show on the road. On this episode, I'm joined by Darren Smith. So Darren, and this is from my perspective, he's a multi-marathoner, host of the 100 Marathon Club podcast, and was named as one of Runners World Magazine's 70 most influential people in running. So I'll hand over to you, Darren, for you to tell everybody listening where they can find you on their smartphones, tablets, and laptops, and you know also for you to plug in the gaps to tell everybody who you are. Oh, Hi. Well, hi, Ben. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, basically, uh, you can find me in the same place. I'm runnersknees.com. I'm runnersknees on Twitter. I'm runnersknees on Instagram. <laughs> I'm probably runnersknees on Grindr. I don't know. Um, I'm runnersknees everywhere. Uh, and the 100 Marathon Club, as Ben kindly said, is my podcast on Apple. So go find it there. Yes, and thank you for joining me. It's um, been a long time coming, and I just want to personally tell you that I've been a long time admirer of you on those little squares that we see on Instagram. I just find that you are very authentic. And, you know, when I came up with the idea of, hmm, what shall I do during COVID 19? Oh, I record a podcast. And you were one of the gents who I thought, you know, I'd really love to have a chat with you, find out a little bit more about you and put the world to rights. Yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> well, thank you for keeping me company. No worries. Yeah. So tell everyone listening about the running journey that you're currently embarking on and what led you to it. Sure. Well, you know, I, did, I started running in 2012 to better my mental health and I, I didn't start uh out you know with the aim of running 100 marathons you know i didn't even start with the aim of running one marathon but i guess that's part of your natural evolution as a runner so i started in 2012 without a scooby-doo and uh i had this target race my wife at the time and a couple of my friends had signed up for amsterdam marathon in the october uh and also the dublin marathon two weeks later and i thought you know i need something for me something that could prove that I am physically and mentally well. And and running seemed to be that challenge for me. So back in 2012, I started with the idea of running my first ever half marathon, actually my first ever race, which led to my first ever half marathon. And then six races in 2012, 10 in 13, 16 in 2014. And a friend of mine, Marty Ewers, he's a great great guy, a bit, bit metal obsessed for my liking, but he convinced me that we should try to get a hundred race ma- medals, you know, as our, <laughs> as a, as a challenge, we're like magpies. We saw yes. something shiny and we wanted it. And so we were running five K's and 10 K's and I, I, 
a little bit sick came up in my mouth then, but virtuals as well. And uh, in the end, we were trying to get to 100 medals. And I kind of did that in about four years in the end. So by then, I'd, I'd run uh, Berlin Marathon and Manchester and Copenhagen. And before too long, you know, it's, uh, marathons took over. I think what you do is you start small with like a 5K, you know, couch to 5K maybe. Mm. Um, and then you, you get a bit faster. You decide to sign up for 10Ks. People do those. They move on to halves. Then the marathon. But once you get to a marathon, I mean, when I got to my first marathon, I said, like, I don't want to run anything less really because this yeah. is my challenge until you, of course, run further than marathons. And then that's your next beast. Um, and so basically I ran one marathon in 2015, which was Berlin, six in 2016, including 100K. And then I did 12 and 12, and then I did 12 and 12 the next year. And, and, bef and before too long, I was like, oh, wow, I've run 25 marathons or something. And mm. a lot of my friends were joining this. It's, it's not much of a club the 100 marathon club to be <laughs> fair um basically because most of the people who are who are members of that club just do these lap races that are run in the southeast by three or four companies and and they they have a, have a race on saturday they have a race on sunday they have a couple of midweek races you can literally do 100 marathons in a year if you wanted um via these companies and i liked the idea of the 100 marathon club as my next challenge but i didn't want to do it via just bashing out tons of lap races so mm. that's why five years into my challenge i'm only on 51 but it is that for me this is a long game for me i want to get to 100 marathons but i want to travel the world run yeah. the big races run the famous races run obscure races you know i've run in 14 countries so far yeah and so it, for, from what you tell me, it's like this 100 marathon club, you know, it's, it's similar to the, well, for me, it's like, it sounds like the story of around the world in 80 days, but around the world in 100 medals. Something like that. It is something <laughs> like that. And to be fair, if it hadn't been for COVID, I would have traveled to six or seven countries this year mm -hmm. and run in them. Because I'll tell you what, that, a race for me isn't just the race. Because I, I love my running buddies, you know, mm. we travel on the Friday, you know, we go to a bar, we go on a Saturday to the expo, we get our number, we race on the Sunday, we meet up afterwards for beers, and we're probably there for the Monday to do some touristy stuff. Mm. So mm. it's not a race. You know, when I go to Lucerne or, or Helsinki or Vienna or wherever I race, I'm with people enjoying a race weekend. And yeah, sure, I got a marathon at the end of it. But it's a big old journey with a big cast of extra characters for me. Yeah. And that's what I really love. I mean, I, I do run by myself. You know, I do plenty of races where I go alone. But I do look forward to organising them with friends as well. I really love how you portray that as well, Darren. You know, you say that, you know, it's your friends are the characters. They are the cast members. And, you know, you're all going through that adventure with each other. And if you isolate a marathon race or an ultra race on its own that is the one scene that stands out however there is a story that leads up to it and you know there's reflection and it's all about that adventure that you go on together and like you mentioned you know it's not just about bragging rights it's about that experience that you go on and you know I think that's fantastic and you know when I look at your journey and you know the handful of your podcasts that I've listened to 
you know, you really do tell that story and it does come to life. Cool. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, and that's what I want to do. And I'll tell you what, as soon as we can get out of this goddamn Corona nightmare, <laughs> we'll be doing the same again. We'll be finding yeah. the right people, you know, and new people as well. And, and just going out and enjoying this gift of running races and enjoying it with people. Mm-hmm. And the 100 Marathon Club, when you look back at, you know, yourself in 2012, so, you know, if you had a conversation with 2012 Darren Smith, you know, mm-hmm. would you get along with each other? Um, I think my problem now with the Darren Smith of 2012 is, I tell you what, this is the whole mindset thing. Um it's until you can experience something, you it's all hypotheticals. You always paint worst case scenarios. You paint it black. So it's kind of like when you do an exam at school. You don't think you know anything until you actually sit in there and you've got an exam paper in front of you. And then you can go, actually, I know this. I have something to write down. Mm-hmm. And back then it was all uncharted territory. So, you know, when I would do my first 10K, I was like, God, I'm never going to be able to run a half. And then you run your first half. I'm never going to be able to run a full because you're doubling it every time. But when, once you reach a point, a ceiling, if you like, you can suddenly go, and this is my mindset. How long have I got to run this? What's the cutoff? I don't mind being last. I really don't care. I was last at the Portland Coastal a couple of years ago. But, you know, it's, it's a very hilly, horrible marathon. And lots of people didn't make the cutoff. But if you tell me I've got seven hours, I went, sure, I can make this. If you tell me, you know, it's muddy and it's on trail, sure, I can still make this. If you tell me, I don't know, it's got 12,000 feet of elevation, like Ultrax did, maybe not so much. But what you do, though, is you actually start understanding. I can walk a 330 half. And, you know, I could pretty much, you know, if you can walk an eight-hour marathon, you can jog a seven-hour marathon. So, Mm. And once you know those things about yourself – you become really comfortable, you know, mm. if I, you got, we go into any race weekend, he goes, Oh, we've got eight hours to do it. And it's got this much elevation and it's this much on mud and this much on road. You go done that. So I understand what it needs to go, what I need to go through to get there. Mm. And I guess mm. the Darren of 2012 was just a novice. I had no clue. The Darren of 20, 2020 old hat now <laughs> I'm literally I, go to. <laughs> I, I i really i'm i'm happy to help anybody purely because i've already been through that i've done that 20 hours through the night race i've done the three-day race across in iceland and stuff <laughs> and i know what it's like and that's what i'd have to say to the to the darren of 2012 when he first started i would say the experiences that you gain will take change who you are and when you look back you'll question why you were so worried about stepping up a distance or mm. changing the type of race you were doing you'd panic about i can't even run without music at one point are you mm. sure i i bailed on a race because they didn't let you listen to music are you crazy <laughs> that's that's who i was back then nowadays it's yeah. just like I'll try anything and everything anywhere. And yeah. and I guess that's what it, the experience gives you confidence and confidence helps you relax. 
and I'm as oh, calm does, as yeah. Hindu cows. I really am. Yeah. And um, is it the drag of the unknown that is glamorous to you? Because I know that you've talked about this really well in the most recent podcast episode of yours, where you said the danger of failure, but vulnerability isn't weakness. It's brave to go into something that doesn't have a guaranteed outcome, and you want that challenge. Well, well remembered. Um, I uh, yeah, I mean. A good friend of mine, Jeff Mitchell, and I, we started running roughly at the same time. And we had this with this conversation. And basically what we were looking for was was the challenge. We want mm. that race that's going to challenge you, challenge you to a point where you do not know that you're going to finish it. Mm. Because mm. when you do, when you crawl across that finishing line at some point, bloody and bruised, covered in mud, the elation and the joy and the self glory or whatever you want to call it um is worth so much more why do you want to just go out and say oh yeah i've got a 10k this week i'm gonna run it in an hour mm. 10k next next week run it an hour do it over and over again i mean fine i did that at the beginning but sooner or later you seek to grow and you grow by yeah trying something new and different and sure I, I i like to travel so i can go and run mountains or through africa or whatever but i also want to do a horrible lap race i want to run around a track and do a marathon it's a hundred and two and a half laps or something stupid i don't know what it is but it's a lot and it will drive me insane but i need that experience because yeah, it's, 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 that, it's that experience isn't it you know you do grow and i think with how much of a challenge life is in itself you know nothing comes easy however on the flip side of that you know i think that we are at great great danger as you know humans of not unlocking our potential and mm -hmm. do you have, ever have that time to reflect back and you know we can use you know darren smith you know um of 2012 is thinking you know i wasn't really unlocking my potential then i was hoping to live comfortably would you say that that potential of failure is something that you appear to enjoy now um absolutely absolutely and to, and to be fair i mean rolling back a little bit um it's the my, it was my reason for taking up running in the first place um mm. uh, i i was a terrible hypochondriac i lived in the mm. states for 15 years and developed a terrible obsession with my with my physical and mental health and, and it hospitalized me at a couple of points and going through therapy as i did the one thing um that i'd never really had in my life was that danger of failure i mean i've worked my entire life i didn't really put a lot of effort into getting those jobs i've got multiple degrees i didn't put a lot of effort into getting them and my hypochondria as it was whenever i had an episode thinking i was going to die um it was my brain literally giving me a kick up the ass and saying you need to do something it was a prompt and i would immediately go into planning mode and start working new things and trying to achieve um, mm. because I didn't perceive that I was doing it subconsciously. Um, so as soon as I realized that's what it was after this breakthrough in therapy, I needed to do something that I couldn't do. I knew that I mm. couldn't do. 
And I couldn't run. I snapped my knee when I was at university in 94 and I broke my ankle in five places a year later. So I hadn't done any exercise since probably the late 80s when I was in high school. So it was it was such a challenge for me to even get on a treadmill and run a 5K at the beginning. Mm. It was all unknown. There was such a chance of failure. Every single start line was, I might not finish this race. And as soon as you do, and you realize that you're not a failure and this is a success, you just want more and more of that. And I mean, I've DNF'd, don't get me wrong, mm. but I don't do it very often. <laughs> uh, I did DNF the biggies, though, unfortunately, comrades and mm. and and old tracks in in the Alps. But to be fair, twelve thousand feet of elevation and a tight cutoff, and <laughs> and eighty four kilometers uphill in Africa in the summer um, are things that people might fail. <laughs> um, everything else, though, I, you know, I I I, I now it, again it comes back to that mindset that I mentioned earlier. If I know how far I've got to go and how long I've got to get there, and the terrain and the elevation, I'm ready. I'm set. Mm. I, may, mm. I might not be fast. The race photos may not be pretty, but I will cross that goddamn finish line, and I will finish that damn race. Yeah, and, you know, you, we can't be too hard on ourselves. And when you say ultra eggs, you know, DNF, it, quite the stark contrast to Berlin Marathon. And, um, you know, it's with, with life itself, you know, it's effectively about the risks that we take, you know, and we do occasionally talk ourselves out of taking on those risks. I've been guilty of it myself when I was younger, you know, um, you know, we sometimes also get taught out of taking on risks, you know, and I don't know if you've ever had any adversity, you know, when you started this running journey where you thought, I want to push myself out of my comfort zone. And, you know, you, you had any adversity in terms of, you know, family members or friends or running peers who would say, do you really want to do that? And I apply it to, you know, um, I, I use the analogy of a baby trying to walk for the first time. Hmm. You wouldn't ever find its parents or somebody nearby going up to it and saying, oh, you, you stumbled and fouled on the first few times that you tried that. I don't think it's for you. You know, you need to knock it on your head and live comfortably have you ever experienced any of that when you just thought one day you know what i'm going to push myself to the limit and push myself through my limitations well the only time i really had it bad i mean mostly i ignore people i do this for me um the rest of them they can just go fuck themselves in the ear most people who are gonna (laughs) be negative um uh i i did get that leading up to comrades um had a couple of people on twitter you know it's it's trolls you know what mm. it is and basically they just gave me loads of crap i mean uh, about comrades i mean i was running marathons leading up to it. i ran six including mm. three in three in two weeks uh so i thought i was getting in shape and then and then i failed when i was there basically because i was I went into it injured mm. and they just they just gave me loads of shit and they said you shouldn't be doing these kind of races you know you should be sticking to what you know which is you know slow road marathons and and mm. if anything, it it didn't inspire me to be better. It didn't inspire me to be faster. It didn't inspire me to be tra- to train better or train. Um, if anything, it just made me realize that some people are dicks. Um, yeah. 
and I don't need to listen to anybody. I never do. I make my decisions when it comes to where I race, who I race with, and how I do when I'm there. If I want to walk for the last, I don't know, 10K of a marathon, it's up to me. You know, if I want to go and sign up for a ridiculous race going a million miles across this or that, that's up to me. You know, and the adversity did come from just a few people who think they know more than everybody else. One of them is a coach, in inverted commas. Um, And if anything, yeah, block them, ignore them. Uh, My family, I, I probably am... I'm not the victim here. Uh, I signed my, I basically for t- in 2017, my, my middle brother was 40 and I signed both of us up on the London ballot, uh, for marathon. And he got in, um, he'd never run in his life. Mm. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> so, uh, so he probably thinks that of me. <laughs> Cause I'm in a teacup. Uh, yeah, well, if you look at the race photos, he's clearly on the phone slagging me off to his wife and saying he signed me up for this, the bastard, and he's finished two hours ago. Uh, and it, I tell you what, I've got, I've got the whole set of photos of my brother's I, I, I really do. I really do hope he's got it framed as well. <laughs> I have them. He doesn't have them. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And he hasn't run since. And he, he hadn't run before, and he hasn't run since, and he never wants to run again. But he mm-hmm. ran London. <laughs> yeah. And it's, 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 this, it's this proving that myth, though, isn't it? It's that, you know, if you've got the right mindset, and, you know, we could be critical of that in itself, well, what exactly is the right mindset? But mm-hmm. it just proves it is mind over matter. It's that, you know, um, someone I'm an advocate of, um, a chap called David Goggins, mm-hmm. you know, he has oh, this phrase yeah. about callous in your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, if you take on these challenges, you know, you really can push yourself through it. And, you know, it talks about... You know, when you're thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm going to throw in the towel, that you're only at 40% of your, you know, potential. And what I've taken from the last few minutes of you, um, you just answering that question is, you know, you're, you're doing this for you. You're not doing it to prove other people wrong. You know, it sounds like it's more you proving yourself wrong. And when you're looking at all of these amazing races online, you're thinking, I can do that. But has there ever been times where you're looking at these races online and you're thinking, I'm going to enter it, but I've not got a cat in hell's chance. Has that ever happened and you've just gone on to prove yourself wrong? Uh, or prove myself right. <laughs> uh, well, well, comrades, you know, the, the DNFs, I, I, you know, to be fair, going into them, comrades is 84 kilometres uphill in African sun mm. with a 12 hour cutoff. Only the 22,000 people start, 6,000 finish um, every year. And even though I was injured going into it, I still got to 33K and had to pull out. But, you know, doing 84K in 12 hours uphill, would I have finished even if I ran the whole thing? Probably mm. not. Can't mean Ultrax, you know there were still two timing mats after the one I pulled out of, you know, because I wasn't going to make the cutoff because mm. it's only got an 11 hour cutoff, I think 10 hour cutoff maybe, but it had 12,000 feet of elevation. So I was yeah. never going to, you know, both of those races, if you'd asked me before I'd run them, even trained, ready to go into them, are you going to finish this? I'd probably say probably not, but I'm going to give it a go. And so there were plenty of races where, 
I have, well, those are the only ones that really I, I, I failed and I knew I was probably going to fail leading into them. Ones where I thought I might fail, but I didn't. Um, Waste of the Stones, that was my first mm. 100K. Uh, three days across Iceland for Fire and Ice, that was 125K. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, uh, well, I don't know. Which one do I think I was definitely going to fail at? I don't know. I really don't know. It's when they got tight cutoffs, I tried to avoid them. Because <laughs> uh, if I can just slow down and just keep moving forwards, then I know I will finish. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I don't always win. <laughs> yeah. And is, is, is there anything where you've taken on that race? And, you know, we've all had those experiences, haven't we? You know, whether it's a run that we do on our own or we're taking on a big event where the odds have been stacked up against you and, you know, everything that possibly could have gone wrong has gone wrong. Has there been that experience where you thought, why the fuck have I done this? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there's a there's a great little race that's quite famous actually called the Green Man Ultra. Uh, yeah. There's a there's a book by Ira Rainey uh, about it called Fat Man to Green Man, which is about his journey from being overweight to to running the, the ultra marathons. And um, I it's, it's self navigation uh, around these around the uh, city limits of Bristol, mm. and I'd never been to Bristol. I don't know how to navigate uh, um i don't know how to read a map uh i my watch doesn't accept gps file or gpx files um yeah. so really i did i had absolutely no chance of doing this race so somehow i signed up for it and uh, and i finished the 30 miler uh in 2018 and then i ran the 30 miler again in 2019 to get it right and i beat my time by over an hour um but this year they do a 45 mile version of it too and i i did the 45 mile version of it this year just before lockdown one in march mm. and the last two times i did it you know i kind of turned up i got my road shoes on i got a light pack and i just did it this time because i knew it was 45 i did the same thing <laughs> and oh, i turned yeah. up and I, I lost my shoes within 100 yards of the start because it was so boggy um i then the pack was too heavy i then got to the top of the hill the f opening hill within the first mile and then it was all downhill on mud at that point and literally i just had to stop because i couldn't keep my feet and in the time that it took me to slide on my ass holding on to brambles until i actually finally got out of that bit i was <laughs> almost an hour after the the final pacer and i just mm -hmm. quit and i went everything that went wrong went wrong yeah and then yeah. i walked all the way back to the start and of course they'd actually all moved to the hq at that point to the finish so there was no one there to even let me in to get my bag i walked back after one mile to the start of the race because i just couldn't continue i was so far behind the final the the, the uh, tail runner i think yeah the tail runner that i would never catch up with him <laughs> and the whole thing and that was my last race before lockdown and it, was like, it destroyed me for a while in lockdown that the last chance I had to add to my 100 mm. marathon total was an utter disaster, an absolute and disaster. Do, do, do you think you underestimated that 15-mile extension of when you previously did it? No, I don't think so. I think for me, I wasn't quite aware of the terrain. Mm. I knew that I had the time to do it, 
and I certainly knew this, the, this, the last 30 mile of the race. It was just my pack was too heavy. I was wearing the wrong kit, obviously the wrong shoes. I didn't. And it was that. Mm. It was that element. It was that element. You know, like I said earlier, you know, it's if you know the time and the distance, that's fine. I could do both of those. But the terrain and and the weather, <laughs> it was those last two that screwed me over that time. Yeah. Uh, so you need to be aware of all of the, the elevation and, and, and the weather and the terrain. And that's what caused me to fail. My last race before lockdown. So I had to sit with that for five months before I could do the next one. Yeah, it, it certainly does sound like the um, modern day answer to the 1904 Olympic marathon. I don't know if you know the story behind that no. <laughs> with, um, you know, one thing that, um, you know, just went from bad to worse. So, you know, um, this marathon, you know, I'm sure you can relate to it, you know, what I'm about to tell you. But, you know, you had one guy who signed up to, you know, the 1904 Olympic marathon on the day, turned up in, you know, just um, regular you know, like Oxford shoes, and <laughs> he didn't have any race kit, so he had to cut off um, the knees of his um, trousers. And then, you know, like competitors had, had to take um, rat poison and get lost um, and got home, um, like, um, chased after a pack of dogs as well on the racetracks. So it sounds <laughs> like, um, you know, the Green Green Man Ultra was, um, you know, the modern day version of the 1904 Olympics. Yeah, I didn't get didn't get attacked by badgers or anything, but it, it, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't far from it. And and to be fair, I mean, like, it did humble me. I mean, the, any of these negative experiences and positive experiences humbled you, and you. It's all about the learning curve. And next time I do Green Man, and I'm signed up for it again next March. I wear trail shoes <laughs> oh, I'll, yeah. and I'll wear my comfy pack and, and I won't, you know, and I will look to see what the weather's been doing in Bristol for the week mm, leading into mm. it because it was my own stupid fault that it went wrong. Yeah. And I, I, I have been in that position where I don't do enough research. It, it leads on nicely this, um, you know, to um, marathon and ultra training plans in in regards to that, you know, how important is a training plan and how do you implement some form of plan into your lifestyle? I mean, is there even a plan? Yeah, I knew there was going to be a gotcha sooner or later. <laughs> um, when I went, okay, it all became that question of, again, of the unknown. Um, I had a training plan, did a couch to 5K to start with back in 2012. I had a training plan for my first 10K, and my training plan for the first half i had a coach and a training plan for berlin that i followed to the letter well not really about 70 percent of it really and it got me through but then for my second marathon because i'd trained quite a bit for berlin um i thought i'm going to go into this without training because if i then can find somewhere between training a lot and not training at all i could probably find my happy place in a train in my training if that makes sense so i know how much i need to do to get through somehow i got a pb at manchester <laughs> which kind of threw the whole thing out the window because i managed to get a pb without training at all so since then i think i just race so much i probably do a race every two weeks mm. uh in, in during normal days not not the time of king cholera but during the time yeah. of being able to run i raced every fortnight probably um so you know marathon or 50k maybe th every three weeks and mm. so really if you're racing that often you only need to do maintenance 
So I probably race and then for the next three weeks may do no more than 15K on a day, mm. um, probably two or three times a week. I, I like the pain. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm kind of a, you know, this whole masochistic thing of I want it to be a challenge. It's a challenge if you don't train properly. And so I'm not advocating it. I'm really not advocating that people don't train. If you want to go for a good time and do well and feel great at the end of it, then train. Follow an 18-week training plan. Do your hills. Do your speed work. Do your intervals. Do your fartlek. Do the works. I like the pain. So what I do is I just maintain a level of fitness by running three or four times a week max in between races just to keep my body ticking over. And when I get to the race day, I'm comfortable for the first 35 K of it. And after that, it's no man's land. I, you know, I, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's a world of pain and tears, but that's what makes it worthwhile for me. Cause I've struggled through that last bit. You know, yeah. I know and people we, who we... finished races. I know, I know people who finished races with a broken arm. You know, I know people that struggled through races with cracked ankle. When I did the wall, uh, which is from Carlisle to Newcastle last year, uh, I did it with Rachel Vernon, old friend of mine. She broke a metatarsal on day one (laughs) and still finished day two. I mean, her feet were horrific at the end of it, but it was a challenge and even more of a challenge when you are not 100% not 100% trained or not 100% fit or not 100% well because you were injured. So it's even more of a challenge. So yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. And it, it, it makes me feel quite tame in comparison. So you've got your friend there, you know, um, continuing to run for him, you know, the remainder of the first day and the second day. You know, and I, I sustained a metatarsal um, fracture um, about five weeks before I ran Manchester Marathon last year. And you know, I, I just thought, you know, no matter what, I am going to be running over that finish line. And, you know, with, you know, um, runners, relatively new runners, and, you know, with me, you know, it could be deemed as quite controversial, but the surge of online running coaches now, you know, oh, feel like we can, this <laughs> is going to be a conversation and, and that oh. we could have another time, yeah. This um, is where I'm going to get, I'm going to get the bleep yeah. button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, we, we, we can get quite focused training plan is just what we see black and white you know on a timetable whereas you know with how you have delivered everything so far Darren it's not just what is on a computer screen or on the wall in your kitchen or bedroom you know it goes beyond that so that you know training plan also you know fits in with training your mind to believe Mm -hmm. that you can take on these challenges which you know um I, I had a handful of friends, you know, in the running community who were saying, well, don't do Manchester Marathon. It's going to be a bad experience. You know, um, you, you might come off worse. But I, I, I just was so stubborn. I thought, I'm doing this. I, you know, it was my first marathon as well. And I just thought, I'm doing it. You know, I've, I've reversed engineered this first marathon of mine for, you know, three, four months. And no matter what, you know, comes my way, you know, I'm just going to, you know, even if it was a brick wall that were in front of me, somehow I'd find a way of running through it or over it so I could get over that finish line. But with you running so many races and, you know, massive distances, how do you train your mindset to get to a level where you just believe that you, 
can just continue going on and on and on. And also a second question is, how long has this been going on for? Um, well, I can answer both those questions at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, I can. Um, I used to travel a lot. I used to work on the West Coast of America. I've come back to see my family in the UK. So that's a 12, 13-hour flight for me. I had to work in Asia for a while. So again, it's a it's a 12-hour flight. And at one point during these flights, because I was flying a dozen times a year, I realized that it doesn't matter what I do on those flights. It doesn't matter whether I sleep or stay awake or watch the movies or eat the food or go for a piss or anything or talk to the person next to me or don't talk to the person next to me or wonder if the plane is going to fall out the sky. It didn't make one bit of difference because in 12 hours time, I'll be there. And that mindset I bought, I took into my, my running because what I know is I may stand there at the start line worrying about a niggle in my calf or whether I've got the right shoes on or the correct amount of mm. nutrition on me. But in seven hours time, I should be at the finish or in the pub, hopefully. And so as soon as you've experienced as long as you know that is part of your mindset i you know time will pass no matter what as long as you're moving forwards you're closer to your goal you're closer to the finish line and once you're experienced enough to realize that i've spent the time on feet and i've spent the time in my head then then you're fine and and i always was i mean it was just oh yeah i haven't experienced it yet but I knew that I can spend 12 hours cramped in a plane seat flying internationally. And so therefore I know that I can spend 12 hours in my head. It's, it's a fun place to be. Uh, and, and so therefore it's really, I can be in my head. Can I be on my feet for that long? And as long as you can, as long as you look after your feet and your guts, because let's face it, the last thing you want to do is shit yourself inside out during a race. Oh, yes. Cause that will, will destroy you you know i did the south coast challenge uh which is i did I did day one which is like 50 something k between eastbourne and brighton last year and in the first checkpoint there were people with their shoes and socks off taping blisters and i was like that's not what you want to be doing at the first mm. checkpoint 10k in as long as you can look after your stomach look after your feet and spend time in your head and spend time on your feet so you're used to it you can do anything as long as you've got enough time. I can do, you know, yeah. you can do, you could do, anyone can, anyone can walk a marathon in nine hours. So if you've got mm. a nine hour cutoff, realize that. And it makes it a lot more achievable in your mind. So you can literally say, fine, all I have to do is keep moving forwards. And that's yeah. always and been my mindset. And, and do you think there's um, too much of a reliance nowadays, especially where things are so transparent on social media to have the perfect race or event where we're constantly chasing the clock and comparing ourselves to other people? Well, absolutely. I 100% agree. I do not uh, compare myself to other people. If I mm. did, I'd probably, you know, it's, uh, it's, a not, it's not a healthy place to be. Um, I know plenty of people who, when you read their reviews of races, it's like, Jesus, you've never had a bad race. 
Mm-hmm. And when you do have a bad race, you use the excuse that you were saving yourself for something else or something mm-hmm. like that. I gave I me, mean, I haven't given up running road marathons. Um, I, I do run more trail 50 marathons predominantly because there isn't that time pressure. If I go and say I've just done a 50k across the North Downs Way, people will go, fucking hell, that's amazing. They're yeah. going to go, well, how fast did you do it? Whereas if I said, well, I just ran Berlin Marathon, they'll go, how fast did you do it? Mm-hmm. And the question's more relevant. It's a marathon and it's the same distance for everybody. And I know the 50K is the same distance for everybody, but not everyone's going to be running through that mud and muck and mire like I am. So I prefer the relaxed trail races now, the 50Ks, yeah. and to because, again, the sort of people who are bragging about their times to run marathons, etc., aren't the people that are doing the races that I do. And therefore, there is a lot less crossover now than there used to be. I mean, I'll still will run tra- road marathons. I'm probably going to do five or six next year. I've still got, you know, I've still got Helsinki and Reykjavik and New York and Chicago and all that stuff will happen next year. But I don't compare myself to anybody. And I don't think many people are comparing me to other people either. So I'm very comfortable with that. You're absolutely right. People are obsessed with time and they're obsessed with comparing themselves to other people. Okay, fine. Mm, improve mm. your time. And people should improve their time if that's what they want. I've got some good friends who try to get their 5K and 10K times down. Brilliant. Do that. It's your challenge. My challenge isn't to do with time anymore. My challenge is to eventually get to 100 marathons or above. And I don't give a toss about my time. Mount- Manchester is my best time. I ran that in, what, April 2016. I haven't run a faster marathon since then. And I couldn't be happier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is, we sometimes are scared of being vulnerable, but also being vulnerable that we might never hit another PB once again. And, you know, with the comparing of other people. I, I think if you compared yourself to other people, Darren, you may very well be over that 100 marathon mark already but it it can get quite poisonous and you know i know that it's something that i really enjoy you know um what what i i enjoy having an insight of your running lifestyle because you know you can see that you are quite selfish because i think with comparing yourself to other people you know you become that selfless that you end up worrying about well am i doing this to impress myself or am i doing it to impress other people which is Mm -hmm. why i really love you know, watching your journey unfold. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I just I just think it's great that, you know, you say your running journey is for you, nobody else. You couldn't give a fuck about what other people think. And, you know, there needs to be more people like you who, you know, do wear the heart on the sleeve and say, look, you know, um, be real. You know, um, are you doing it for people to you know, double tap your photographs on Instagram or leave, you know, several dozen comments on facebook you know whatever social media i'll let you use you know and we quickly forget don't we that you know um, whose journey is this you know is it is is it our journey you know or is it a journey that we want the running community to have a look at and think i'm being welcomed i found a place where i am welcomed i think it comes down to who influences you Mm. who influences me no one massively 
you know, I make up my own mind. You know, I do, you know, I get caught up in excitable chats. Like you and I could go to a bit pub. We'll start chatting before too long. We've mentioned a race. I've signed up for it. <laughs> I've mm. already bought the book, the flights and I'm on, I've already got the hotel, you know, however, I don't really subscribe to the influencer culture of, of, of running. You know, I've never applied. Well, I did apply in the early days, but since then, you know, the idea of becoming in, you know, ASIC's front runner, for example, or a Brooks happy clapper or whatever they're called, or, yeah. or any of those, any of those things where you're being told by a company to wear these clothes, uh, post these photos, say these things. No, I can see why people do it. Yeah. Um, because let's face it, it's your little moment of glory and fame. I, I don't need that. I don't want that. I was an I was a ambassador for comrades when mm. I did it. You know, for the Olympic Park race. You know, I was ambassador for a sock company, but only because that sock company gives lots of money to orphanages in Africa. Mm. But when it comes to it, who influences me? Sure, I've got some people I think are fucking awesome. You know, Camille Heron, who's got the 24-hour lap yeah. record and won Comrades the year that I ran it. And, you know, I, I, I love some of the big runners that do amazing things that no one's even heard of. You know, mm -hmm. I have people that I go to, you know, if I want advice on something to do with a big ultra and I know someone that's run it or a piece of kit and I know someone that has it, you know, I listen to Susie Chan and Baz Taylor yeah. and Spencer Milbury and these guys that I know that do that do these races that have done MDS and things like that, who aren't influencers, but I know they've done it. They're my go-to people. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to who influences me, probably just me, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> because... Would your Would your brother agree with that? Would Would he say that you <laughs> inspire and influence him? Uh, I, I for, mate, once he started talking to me again, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, I threatened him, uh, l l this year because you know he's getting a bit tubby during lockdown. Whereas I've got, I've managed to survive lockdown for many reasons that we can talk yeah, about, yeah, of course. Um, whereas all he's got is progressively larger, um, to a point of resembling a Bond villain. So, um, I did threaten him by literally saying, you know, next year we should do some multi day multi-day races you know like the you know like the south coast challenge so he can walk it if he wants you know mm, mm. it take as long as you damn wants you know i'll run it we meet at the end or halfway and then we have a meal pub blah 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 do day two because i think yeah. he would get a lot out of it because he is very similar to me but you're right uh maybe i didn't motivate him for much of 2017 probably because i broke him yeah, and there's always that threat of entering him to, into the ballot for London Marathon once again, you know, where he is really under the microscope as opposed to, you know, a, a trail event, which I absolutely love those because there's less pressure to mm -hmm. chase that clock. And, you know, I think in terms of, you know, what you can do day to day, you know, it's, it's like taking a picnic in your backpack mm -hmm. and pulling it out and, you know, sharing your food. It's, it's, it's really great, you know, and um, with your you know, marathon journey and, you know, all these events that you've taken on, you know, you know, you've mentioned MDS. Am I right in thinking that you've not taken part in MDS? I didn't. Um, basically, I, I thought about it. I, I thought about doing it, but I have a, I have a desert race that I do want to do, which is across a salt lake in Turkey. So that, what, that's my 
desert race when I do one. Mm. So what I wanted to do was find an alternative. And I tell you, MDS is really expensive. So that's the year that I signed up to do Fire and Ice, which is a very yeah. similar format, except it's across the volcanic wasteland that is Iceland. So, you know, I, instead of doing MDS, I did I did Fire and Ice. And it was amazing and probably one of the most surreal because there's no trees <laughs> mm. uh and you're walking through volcanoes and the like but uh it was my, that was my mds so yeah yeah i mean I, I don't really want to do mds there are other desert races i'd prefer to do that are maybe less commercial maybe yeah. that's the term um so the one that i want to do is basically the salt lake ultra across uh, it's in Turkey, so I think it's a hundred k or something, hundred miles maybe. I don't know, but it's dead yeah. flat. So basically, the, it'll be bizarre. Again, it's the experience thing. So I'll be there, looking into the dead flat distance as far as the eye can see, and you know that mm. whole like you know where the where the air is kind of like doing that whole wobbly melty thing. So you can oh, like yes. look in the and that, and it'd be like that as far as I can see, and then I'll turn around and come back again, and that's my desert race. I mean, yeah. sure, MDS is amazing. It's not just the walk in the sand that people make it out to be. It is a genuine challenge. However, it's not the challenge for me at the moment. Well, it's, it's the challenge of death with MDS. I, I can't think of any other death disclaimers that are as expensive. Oh, yes. Well, everything, <laughs> everything about it's expensive. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, just, I couldn't justify the expense. And then in the end, you know, Fire and Ice was five grand cheaper in total with flights and hotels and insurances and the work. So I said, well, I'm going to save myself two years worth of races uh, by just doing Fire and Ice. And I got a lot out of it. I loved it. I highly recommend uh, spending time running across Iceland and camping and carrying all of your kit. Mine was 18 mm-hmm. kilograms. <laughs> oh dear so i'm running with 18k on my back the whole time <laughs> and that, that's a challenge in itself isn't it and I, I look at that you know it's like you know carrying a couple of dumbbells on your back effectively and you know it does make the difference and um you you, you have touched on you know one thing in regards to covid19 and lockdown which i am massively surprised that we've been talking this long and we haven't focused on how you know, lockdown has impacted you, you know, it's inspired you to do anything. So if you just want to, you know, take it away and just tell me, you know, with, with, without, you know, um, stating the bleeding obvious and saying, well, it's put a lot of races and marathons on standby for you, you know, has it brought you any enlightenment or has it made you shift your focus on different things? Well, um, I mean, I, before, just before lockdown one, actually, I got a Peloton and that's that's changed a lot of things for me because mm. basically i could just go to the spare bedroom and do a hefty workout i mean proper high intensity workouts endurance rides and things like that that i never had before so i've been focusing a lot more on on being fit when i when it needs to be so you know even though i've got like i said you know before we started recording you know i live in Hampstead, so i have Hampstead heath and the trails and Mm. and regent's park and regent's canal and primrose hill and i have all of this wonderful green space in london to run around but coming into lockdown one in the spring i wasn't running at all i was basically spending all my time on the peloton fencing Mm. the female coaches and and and, uh, and stuff like that <laughs> following them all on instagram doing a bit of stalking and uh but then 
but then yes then i don't subscribe massively to to virtuals anymore i I did back when i first started as a if anything as a motivation to keep training Mm. so i'd find a nice medal that a friend of mine would would point out and we'd go to what that one that makes us you know they they want us to run a 10k on that particular day or this distance over a particular week or a month let's go do it for the virtual medal i don't really do that anymore i certainly don't subscribe to to the to the abbots majors being turned into into virtuals yeah. um when people will, will be running them next year i mean i don't see the benefit unless you know yeah. you, you need that but yeah. what what we signed up for which was a bit insane was um do you know who Lazarus Lake is? Uh, he yes, I do. Marathon. Yeah. So he he created. I have a, seen this. Yeah. yeah. He created the Great Virtual Race Across Tennessee, mm. which was a thousand kilometer race, and it was it ran from May to August. It was four months to do this, and at the end of it, you got this horrible garish gold buckle to say that you've done it. Now he did this as a bit of fun, just to motivate people to mm. keep mo to keep moving during covid and he didn't realize just how popular he is because 19,000 people signed up for a virtual race because it's lazarus lake um so i did that um it took me three months there were some assholes that did it in 10 days i mean you got four months to do it what's the point <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah and so uh i did that for three months and when i came out of it i needed something new because we still didn't have races at the time. And so I started the podcast, which, if anything, um, helped me relive my past glories, um, if as they are. Uh, <laughs> put people to sleep, as we know. It is, it is good anesthetic, my podcast. Um, and helped agree, yeah. me refocus. Because suddenly, I, you know, if, I, if however I was um, doubting myself, reading those back and recording them so yeah i've done all these things mm-hmm. you can do whatever comes next and so what so races started again for me in in august so because trail races are they can be staggered starts they got much smaller field you can do social distancing from beginning to end including the checkpoints i ended up running three marathons and 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 three 50ks in the space of 11 weeks 12 weeks i think it's maybe um which kept me going until where we are now which is lockdown two so mm. i've kind of used different mechanisms to get through each part so it's peloton first then the lazarus lake race then the podcast and now oh and then races and now i've got a month till the next race so yeah i i have call of duty modern warfare between then and now to keep me occupied <laughs> oh well um, f- for me um you know i did um buy my daughter a nintendo switch and you know i've just not stopped playing super smash Bros. which she <laughs> she claims that she bought for her but i think that you know she personally bought it for me to get through this <laughs> lockdown uh, but yeah you, you know you can't forget the aesthetically good looking peloton trainers as well which i'm sure will help you through this current lockdown <laughs> they may well do although you know none of them have blocked me yet on social media so that's, that's good. <laughs> yeah yeah well it's, it's, it's good that you um you know make reference to laz lake you know and when you say he doesn't realize how popular he is you know it's when you watch documentaries of him or if you know whether you've listened to podcasts or you know youtube um interviews with him you know he doesn't care about what people think about him and 
you know, I think we've, you know, what we've talked about thus far is, you know, just care about what you think about yourself rather than what, you know, other people's narrative is of you. And what I love about Laz Lake is, you know, he, he says something which is something to the effect of, you know, the comfort zone, which is, you know, all about the comfort zone. And that's where most ultras take place, you know, and I'm yet to run my first ultra. But I had a friend of mine saying, well, if you, if you believe that you discover while you run a marathon, just wait mm-hmm. until you, you know, I'm on the start line at ultra marathon, you really will discover who you are and, you know, that you are capable of virtually taking on anything. Yeah, I think I think more so is when you're when you're doing that first uh, ultra marathon and you are forty k in and you've got another fifty k to go or whatever, <laughs> and you really I mean when I when I actually in my experience when I did race to the stones, people poo poo the threshold series because they're so comfy, but they're mm. they're entry level ultras. You, you still have to run a hundred k, you know, in one go. Um, and for me, you know, this is one of those races where you need different tactics, much like me getting through COVID to get through this mm. race. So I did the first 40 K by myself. And then, then I met a guy absolute random. He was walking. I slowed down to walk with him. We chatted for an hour. Way I had a few pints of cider and then you start again. And then you listen to music or podcasts or books. And then I ran into a, another friend nearer to the end. And, and you, you have different things of getting you through different mechanisms by which different coping mechanisms, because as long as you're moving forwards and you've got time to get there, it's just surviving the meantime. So yeah. all my co- so I had all these coping mechanisms and someone managed to do that. That was my seventh marathon or above hundred K. So I highly recommend it. And to answer you, to bring back to your point, there's nothing like walking through pit or across pitch black mm. farmland at midnight with your head torch and a line of people behind you all moaning about why they signed up for this damn thing to really find out who you are. You know, you are literally surviving a zombie apocalypse, an asteroid strike, whatever the cause for this to be, is you're surviving it and you're surviving it together. But you need to look within yourself to survive yeah. whatever it is. And you do. If you, you know, whatever problems you've got in the world, go running. And by the end of a few hours of it, you would have at least come up with some sort of coping mechanism or solution to get through it. Mm. And I think it's a wonderful thing. It's like, you know, I don't know if you resonate with what I'm about to say, Darren, but it's how much of a worse dark place can I take myself to where I can be chewed up and spat out at the other end and come up smelling of roses and, you know, still be stood at the end, you know, like, um, you know, Batman does, you know, at the end of it, mm-hmm. they're all more like comic, you know, is it, you know, you've, you've ever read, you know, he goes through adversity, challenges, mm-hmm some shit periods in his life but he always comes out the other end you know smiling you know i don't know if you resonate with that it's like what what can i take (laughs) on that is seriously going to hurt me and i still live to tell the tale yeah yeah well well, portland coastal i was last like i said but i was the last Mm. one to finish it and the finish line photos actually posted it on instagram today um is me literally just arms wide crossing that finish line milking the moment (laughs) because it was six hours of my life. It was horrible. It was, uh, Portland is a terrible, terrible place. Um, it's a backward, 
But I mean, don't even want to go there. But I'm doing it mm, again next mm. year. <laughs> we all signed up to do it again next year. Uh, my third attempt at it. But it, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. It's, it's getting back to that challenge. You want to do something. And why does it need to be easy? I want it to, it to be a challenging distance or a challenging elevation or bad weather. You know, next time I do Portland Coastal, I want to do it in the freaking snow. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. We, you know, with, with, you know, with an arm in a, in a sling or something, you know, to make it even more challenging, even more mm. difficult. Because if it's more challenging and more difficult, the payoff at the end is so good. Yeah, and it's it's probably the um, closest um, thing that we can get to childbirth. And, you know, it may come with a one-star review, me saying this. It's like, you know, and what can I do to go through that prolonged period of pain that is going to be followed by paralyzing joy? Well, you know, we can't go through the, um, you know, like you can't go through the experience of childbirth. So what's the next best thing? Take on an old chair, just find the most isolated spot, you know, where the elements are going to be against you and, you know, just end up finishing it with a, with a big smile on your face. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, what I'm going to do now, Darren, is ask you some not-so-quick-fire questions you <laughs> are prepared for them. Okay. Yeah. So, as you know, this is the Carbs Rule Effing Around Me podcast, which is a take on my favourite hip-hop group, the Wu-Tang Clan. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we can't go all this way without discussing food. So question I've got for you is, what is your favourite post-run meal or snack? Uh, see, I have no problem eating before, during and after races. For me, mm. uh, not only really snack, but I'll go for a blue cheeseburger. I really would. Oh, lovely. It's my thing. You know, a nice burger, well done, a bit of blue cheese on top of it, Stilton or whatever. Mm, mm. Uh, that's 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 my thing. But, you know, again, some it's it's. I want to be at the pub with my people at the end of the race and yeah. uh if people are eating <laughs> then then i will eat as well if they're not then you know i think the first thing i normally want is a cup of tea <laughs> yeah yeah with, with, with me it's got to be a warm drink you know um I'm, i rarely drink hot chocolate but you know after i've been out running for two three hours oh yeah know, which i've done um, quite often um you know since summertime onwards you know that's um part of my long run it's like you know i, I want a hot chocolate but, you know, for me, I've got this thing about pork pies at the moment, which, you know, <laughs> it's quite popular, you know, during tra- trail races. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because you can go from, you know, um, doing a road race where, mm-hmm. you know, that isn't even acceptable. You know, if you were running alongside someone with the short shorts on and slinky vest, you know, and you pulled a pork pie out, uh, you know, <laughs> mile 15, you know, you'd just be frowned upon. Whereas if you're in the mountains, it doesn't matter what you, you know, bringing out, you know, in your case, I don't know if you've actually brought out a you know like cheeseburger with stilton you know with stilton on it and um, part way through a trail race however if you had that option is that something that you would do um uh well kind of um my thing that i would do well i would do and uh, and i actually have taken things that are similar uh, he says trying to plug the <laughs> plug my laptop in because it's dying uh so yeah so when it comes to it uh he says trying to plug his laptop in because it's dying um Salted boiled potatoes or oh, salted roast potatoes. Mm. Both of those are amazing options. And uh, when it comes to it, you can just stick them in a Ziploc bag and they are there for you. Um, yeah. as, as for pies, have I ever taken a pie? I've taken sausage rolls 
Um, yeah. I just did the uh, uh, Beachy Head Marathon. Their mile, I want to say 16 or 17 checkpoint, is always famous because it's got piles of sausage rolls and hot cross buns and soup and tomato soup. So really, I can get my fix right there. Um, sausage rolls, tomato soup. That's great. And they, they, need, they need to um, start transferring in, that into road races. You can imagine it, can't you? The, um, you know, Abbott, you know, races, New, New York City Marathon, you know, table full of Ginster's pasties <laughs> and Walker's crisps. Yeah, I mean, that, that would, I think that would work for me as well. Uh, pasties. You know, I, I kind of tend to go for salty things as well. So I, I'm a big fan of the old uh, uh, like peanuts, salted peanuts. They work for me. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'll eat anything, to be <laughs> fair. You know, yeah, it, it's for, for me, I mean, like, I mean, really, when I do, a, when I do an ultra, it is, uh, it is that whole uh, running, like you said, it's a running, it's a running smorgasbord. board. It's a running feast. Yeah, yeah, it's a picnic. Exactly. It's yeah. a teddy bear's picnic. That's exactly what it is. Mm. And uh yeah. So yeah, maybe not a pork pie, although I am I am fond of pork pies. Uh although my rabbi doesn't know that. But I am uh <laughs> uh, uh, uh but I am a big fan of the savory stuff. I'm not a fan of gels. I'm really not a fan of gels. Mm. It took me ages to discover that um I started with, you know, SIS and all those guys, you know, mm. they work for some people that just don't work for me. Um, and then I started with, I can't remember, who is it now? But whatever brand it was, they, um, they make gels that are, that taste like cakes. So like there's a cherry bakewell and yeah. apple crumble and custard and things like that. So I have them, but to be fair, I stick them in my, um, I stick them in my pack and then I never used them. So I, I, you know, every so often I go through a pack and I find gels that are out of date because mm-hmm. I, I never use them because I have real food. I think, I think you get more from real food over time than you do trying to jack yourself up on sugar and caffeine with a gel straight into your veins. Yeah. And that's it. And, you know, I find that, you know, um, you do end up shitting yourself or you're on the cusp of shitting yourself when you're relying <laughs> on gels and, you know, the last um, trail race I did was um, a Maverick race in the Peak okay. Street, which was unbelievable. And, um, you know, on that day, I had a pork pie and three Tonics Caramel wafers, and they did oh, the I job. Love them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are great. So the um, next question I've got for you, Darren, is if you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? Um, Pogo steeplechase. <laughs> is that something you tried previously uh i haven't but apparently they're going to move it to the next olympics and oddly and i didn't i didn't think i don't agree with this to be fair i think the olympic committee has gone gone completely off off piece with this uh it needs to be done naked <laughs> yeah well I, I don't know if um, the entry level for them making it <laughs> wacky and wonderful is next year's olympics it's going to be the first time that skateboarding is going to take place oh yeah i know yeah yeah, so that'd be interesting to see. So the next question is, mm-hmm. what is that one song that gets you fired up? Um, All Fired Up by Pat Benatar. Oh, lovely. <laughs> and Best Ever Running Shoes? Uh, best Ever Running Shoes? Um, I, I really loved the On 
cloud racers when they came out, mm. but they've discontinued them. I wore them for three or four years. Uh, uh, they discontinued them. So now I've gone back to, for roads, I wear Nike Flex. Mm. And for trails, uh, I wear either the on cloud ventures, which are waterproof, yeah. or I've got Scott, uh, which is a, a European brand that's quite, um, quite popular amongst the mountain types. Yes, 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 I believe so. And, um, you know, I did previously um, have a pair of on cloud stratus, which, you know, fantastic before I um, went to zero drop and tried out ultra, which you know, I, I, I love in history. Yeah, I mean, I did yeah. the same thing because I got um, after I did race to the stones, um, which destroyed me. <laughs> really, I was just like a spent tea bag after that. Mm. Um, I did a six hour uh, lap race the week after. And I ended up with plantar fasciitis in my in yeah. one of my feet. And after throwing money at uh, osteopaths and physios and all the different kinds of treatment that don't help, um, wearing a Strasbourg sock at night, but also moving to zero drop and slowing yeah. down really helped. So because it makes you run more naturally. So I mean, I'm, I'm no longer running ultras, but the ultra torrens, which are their road shoe. Unbelievable. Uh, got me through four or five marathons with PF um, because they allowed me to change the way I was running to make it more natural and therefore to impact less on where where my foot hurt. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable shoe. But you know, I'm an advocate of both um, on and ultra, and I don't run in anything else. This leads us on to the next question because you know I was quite surprised that hearing what your current favorite road shoe is so carbon fiber plated shoes all the hype or marketing bullshit yeah it's all bullshit <laughs> yeah I, I love that snappy response so next question i wanted to say it's not i want people to believe the science but tell you what yeah. next percent what i mean I, I you know i can't even fit my feet in them to be honest i've got these horrible wide hobbit mm. feet so I tried the, you know, the vapor flies and stuff like that. I can't even get my toes in them. So for them to say, yeah, put these shoes on and you'll be this percent faster or this new technology is going to make you be able to run on icy rock or whatever or mm. whatever it is, you know, no, it's just it's just a no for me. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd love to believe the science. If some people do, fine. If they then think that it helps them, brilliant. Yeah, placebos yeah. work <laughs> yeah they, 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 they certainly do work and you know the marketing tool that nike have used in the last 12 18 months you know has been fascinating you know people do buy into it but you know it comes with a price and you know i had a conversation with a friend of mine in the past you know who is one of few online running coaches who i've got a lot of time for you know and he said it doesn't matter what shoes you've got on your feet it's the person who you know steps into those shoes you can't mm -hmm. expect to go out all guns blazing and not put in the work and expect to get some personal best just because you spent £260 on a pair of Nike shoes. The only Nike flexes I wear are their 2016 version. So, mm. so I don't even buy the latest. I don't give a toss. I buy second-hand running shoes off of eBay. Yeah. I, did the, I did Fire and Ice Ultra with a £20 pair of Nike flex that arrived the day I flew. <laughs> so I'd never even put them on. I ran across Iceland wearing this bargain bucket second hand worn by someone else 
pair of shoes. That's my biggest running achievement. I mean, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, uh, fine. It's, you know, it's all horses for courses. You know, we're all very different. People want different things out of it. I've seen so many perfect running uh, form photos on Instagram. I don't even know what I do. Clearly, it's not running. It looks like I'm I'm brawling with an invisible monster when I'm running. Um, whereas I see peers, I'm not I'm not the person to speak to when it comes to running form or the best running shoe to get the best out of your running. I just do my thing. And that, that's that's relatable. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's um, you know a professional photographer or a friend taking a photograph of me. You know, but you know, I certainly don't look very appealing, and you know, it's not something that i um, ever wish on other people you know looking at my running form <laughs> but you know um, I, I do wonder sometimes you know um flying feet how some people get that perfect photograph or whether it's just um flying feet they um have at that very given time because you know i certainly not got that it's like a drag my feet along the floor and somehow <laughs> get over finish lines yeah, me too. I mean, I, I mostly look like a, a melting pink candle for much of my uh, race <laughs> photos. I mean, I always get them because if, if anything, for me, much like my blog and much like my, my podcast, it's just for me to to uh, document my own running history. And I look back and, you know, I'll, I'll post photo, the photos from a race and go, yeah, I mean, I don't care whether you think I look appealing or not or whether I look professional or not. This is me posting a picture of me having just run that race. And yeah. it's very unlikely that I'm going to be running it feeling that I look like Brad Pitt. Um, <laughs> it's more likely, more likely that I'm not. So, uh, yeah, um, I, I don't subscribe to this new technology. Back to the question. Um, and and your, your, your friend who's the, who's the coach is absolutely right. It's, mm. I think people are, you know, they, they buy into this thing, these things. Um, you know, I, I know plenty of people who who get all the freebies, you know, and it's like, well, mm, mm. I'll give you a pair of Asics this week. And you go, oh, my God, it's the greatest shoe I've ever worn. Yeah. And then next week, here's a pair of Nikes. Oh, it's the greatest shoe I've ever worn. And then the following week, there's an on. And then, I don't know, uh, Dunlop Dodgems or whatever they are. Yeah, and, it goes on and on, doesn't it? Yeah. And then you realize that when you lose your objectivity, you lose your credibility. Mm. And so, therefore, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's the whole washing powder. This is the new, the new Daz, the new improved Daz, the new, new improved Daz. Yeah. I, I don't care for it. it. It's not needed. People can wear what they damn well please. No, and uh, it, it becomes it becomes saturated, doesn't it? And that's where, you know, I spoke about this on a previous episode about comparison culture. You know, it's there's, there's nothing wrong with comparing yourself, you know, and I've referred to this. You know, like if you, you know, saw somebody, you know, like say, for example, eating the new, Twix, you know, whatever it might be. I know there's a winter spice Twix. There's nothing wrong with thinking, oh, I fancy, you know, having one of those as well, you know, to find out if it's any good. But, you know, I think there's that threshold where, you know, you're having somebody else saying you should have this in your life because of it mm. being the best ever running shoe or, you know, the best ever running gel, you know, and you do lose that credibility and you lose that respect for other people who are promoting some of these products because, you know, everything that they get hold of in their hands is you know the best thing since sliced oh. bread and you know it, it, it sort of becomes saturated and you lose interest and you know i think it's so important you know it's not just what you are promoting or you know um, being an advocate of online but you know i try and transfer my personal life into my online life mm -hmm. you know it's like 
what I say is what I truly believe in, not the words of a company or what I believe other people want to hear. You know, everything I say is me being as transparent as possible. So, you know, if I, I think that's why I probably would never and I would choose not to be a representative of a brand because if I don't like a product, you know, I'm the type of man who would say, this isn't for me. But, you know, I'd never go online and say, and I don't think this is for you either, or I think mm. this is the shoe for you. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's quite, um, you know, we could talk about this for a long time, but um, I certainly don't want to be blacklisted from Instagram once again. Because that <laughs> again. Did a couple, yeah, that did happen a couple of um, weeks ago for me. Rocking yeah. Feathers. And, um, you know, talk, talking with purpose. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, f- I mean, for me, I, mean, I, 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 I was, I've been given stuff in the past, but mm. I tell you what, mm. some of my reviews they did not like. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been given the stuff where I just said this just, this is just rubbish. Mm-hmm. You know, but sometimes I would get stuff that hadn't been fully thought out. I was given this backpack that you're supposed to take your work clothes in when you go running, and I was like, but yeah. it doesn't have any handles. Because oh mm. no, you're supposed to put that pack in another pack. But oh, okay. <laughs> so, but surely I would just have that pack then, and mm-hmm. and things like that. Or yeah, or someone sends you a, a, a muscle rub and they send you one tube. It's not going to change my life. Uh, no. One tube. I'm sorry, I'm not even going to bother reviewing it. Um, so, I mean, I mean, I've been given free stuff in the past. To be fair, I mostly give it away. You mm-hmm. know, where I've mm-hmm. won running shoes for whatever reason or someone has said would you like a pair of the new running shoes and they give them to me and if they're not for me which is more likely than not i just ping it out to the to the community and say who wants a free pair of these size nine and a halves and someone's always going to dm me and ask for them and they can have them i'm happy to get you know when i was the ambassador for the 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 running sock company um Mm. again mostly because of their charity work I gave away all the socks. <laughs> so, you know, I ran a couple of competitions where they gave away socks. Yeah. And I gave away the socks that I was given. There was nothing more. I wasn't selling everywhere, anyone on the idea that these are the greatest socks ever created by man. Uh, yeah. And I don't think anyone, well, I think actually, no, we can talk about the whole, you know, <laughs> influence <laughs> thing. Uh, 70 most influential people in running, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't, I couldn't live with myself if, because I know people do listen and mm, people DM mm. me and ask my advice and genuinely they do. I know people that sign up for races because of what I've written or mm. what I've recorded or what I've said. And so therefore, because I know that I do influence some people, I couldn't, I couldn't be dishonest or, or, or not or, or to or dishonest with myself and try to sell something that I don't believe in. It's not who I am. Mm. And when, when, when we talk about this, Darren, do you think there's a difference between being an influential person and an influencer? Yes, because I don't think, I think they're different. They're very different. Mm. Um, <laughs> I wrote, my, my first time of running Portland, which was the one that I was last at, um, was so widely read. <laughs> And I had a terrible time. And I basically, I think my description at the end was, would I run this again? Absolutely not. Yeah. People messaged me all the time saying they signed up for that race because they wanted the experience that I had. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't see myself as an influencer, um, but I know that I do have influence 
and I think it's something you have to be very careful about. Definitely. That's why I, you have to be yourself. You can't pretend to be anything else. You can't. You have to be honest because, you know, I have like my blog gets a hundred thousand hits, my mm. podcast three thousand downloads. I've got eleven thousand followers between Instagram and 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 Twitter com- to, mm. combined. Not that's that's not bragging. That's none of that bragging bollocks. That's just over time people yeah. following. And I want to be honest with all of those people. Yeah. If if I think this race is shit, I say so. If I think this piece of kit works for me, I say so. And it's not mm. going to work for you, not necessarily. And if you ask me, I'll say, you know, this might not be right for you. And you have yeah. to be. So I, I believe you're absolutely right. You can be influential without being an influencer. It's a different mm. mindset. People are interested in what I'm doing. I'm not doing stuff to make people interested. Yeah. And I, I, I'm completely behind you with that. It's that, you know, I always apply that question. What is the purpose of what I'm about to say or post about, whether that's in real life or on Instagram or Facebook? I think, well, if my purpose is just to make somebody buy a product or enter an event, I think, well, you know, am I just as bad as the, you know, skill child who walks into the playground and says, you know, look at my new school shoes and the rucksack I've got on and the expensive jacket on my back, you know, and I just think, you know, there has to be a purpose. And I know that not everybody will agree with what we are saying, but I think that's the beauty of human life, that everybody is so different. And, you know, from one person to the next, you know, we have got a different purpose, you know, on this God-given earth. And for me, it's that, you know, everything that we put out online, you know, informs some kind of influence or hold on to somebody mm-hmm. even if it's just a photograph of you saying i've just been for a run and that's it you know and you know i think that's why we've got to be quite careful and you know that's where we can't get hung up on you know if there's somebody out there who's putting out that content saying buy these shoes because they are the best running shoe ever mm-hmm. you know just don't buy buy into that too much you know just take it for you know how it appears you know cause you, you can get quite hung up and i know that i'm quite vocal in regards to a running influencer because I think a running influencer their purpose is just to push a product as opposed to an influential runner you know Mm -hmm. they're influencing people to get out moving you know and you've got to be careful who's you know like viewing that content and you know especially you know with you know people such as yourself because I do deem you to be an influential runner where Mm -hmm. you know the top and bottom of it all is you want people to get out moving, you know, and but you're doing it for yourself. And if it means that what whatever journey you're going on, you know, in particular the 100 Marathon Club, and that's making a handful of other people start their running journeys and start a 5K, well, that's incredible. And what what would you rather be remembered for? You know, what do you want your legacy to be? You know, do you want it to be, you know, Darren who made people buy, you know, Brooks running shoes, or do you want it to be Darren who got people out moving? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so back to my lovely seventy most influential people in running thing. Because yeah. I know you love it. I know you love. Oh, it. I do. Yeah, I know you do. And to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, it deserves ridicule. However, let me just say, I see it myself as a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, but I guess there is something we've already talked about. It. There is some truth behind it. You know, yeah. Could be, you know, at the time, you know, it's all a question of timing. It's like the secret of great comedy. Um, at the time that article was written, 
I was heavily involved in UK Run Chat, which is a, a Twitter-based community, running community. Yeah, yeah. Tens of thousands of people. I, I would host their, their weekly forum. I think I did it half a dozen times in total. So I was quite active in that and race check. And I'd, been, uh, I'd written a couple of articles for Ultra Magazine. And, you know, again, in my own style, you know, these aren't selling anything. These are just me being me. And, you know, I was the ambassador for Comrades and, and the Olympic, you know, anniversary race and things like that. And I was running and reviewing races that people cared about. You know, if I'm doing Berlin or Chicago or Comrades or I'm running through the Alps or whatever it is, running around a fucking car park in Gravesend or something... <laughs> It doesn't matter. I'm writing about what I'm doing or I'm podcasting about what I'm doing or whatever I'm doing. And it was just what was happening at the time. And I was kind of running the races people cared about. And then yeah. going back to it, you know, when you do have 100,000 blog hits and 11,000 people follow you on social media and stuff, and this is before the podcast, then you are influential, even if you don't want Definitely. to leave. You know, again, I think I've listened to my podcast more than anyone else. You know, it knocks me out. Um, whereas at the time, Georgia, who wrote the article, I knew her anyway. That mm. whole article was tiered. Okay, tier one, professional athletes, Mo and Dame Kelly Holmes <laughs> and Ewan Thomas. And then there were non-professional athletes who were very good, like Susie Chan and Sophie mm. Raworth and those people. And then there were the plebs. And the plebs were the people who, like me, and I was one of them, had a following and a following yeah. on Twitter and Instagram and had a blog. Most of us had had our blog shortlisted at some point or another. And I knew a vast majority of them because they were part of my running community. And that 70 people, I think 20 of them were just people from the online running communities mm -hmm. who had somewhat of a following. I include it because for me, it's genuinely funny. I find it funny that I am class or was classed as one of the 70 most influential people in running in the UK by yeah. runners world. When I slag that magazine off virtually every week because of all the, <laughs> of all the advertising. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, it's again, it was a question of timing. I was much more popular on Twitter. I, I barely go on there now because it makes me really angry. Um, and I didn't have the podcast, but it was mostly my blog which they referenced mm. in that article, uh, talked about me constantly using David Hasselhoff memes. Yes, and, yes. Which is fine, because I used to. It's fine. Well, I've actually got the little um, extracts from that magazine. And, you know, funnily enough, it was the first ever issue of Runner's World that I purchased. It was <laughs> around the time that I started my journey into running. Um, would you like me to read out the description? Of <laughs> yes, Smith? please. Yes, yeah, please. Do, do you remember it? I don't really, but I know Hasselhoff's there somewhere. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Darren is a prolific participant at events all over the country. Oh, see, that's, too, that, yeah. that's just harsh. That's just harsh. That's like, yeah, he turns up, but he's never going to win. Go on, start again. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they, they need to amend that somewhat, you know, it's all <laughs> over the world now. So, yeah, it continues to say, which gives him plenty of juicy fodder for his no-nonsense race reviews. When you read them, you'll so soon see that he has gar garnered a cult following. If you like your running with a splash of David Hasselhoff memes, he's your guy. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, at the time it was true. Um, again, it, again, it was a point in time in my running life. And, 
I was again I was heavily involved in UK run chat I'm mm. not really involved with that anymore I was involved with race check I'm not really involved with them anymore because it was part of a journey you know it's it's bloody the Lord of the Rings trilogy you know yeah. they weren't together for the whole movie <laughs> you know I found my way at the beginning found my crowd we were together for the beginning mm. of it we went our separate ways uh, and now we got you and me trying to dump the ring into in Mount Doom <laughs> together with no one around us. Um, and it's, oh, again, it's, it's back, going back to that evolution thing. And, and they were part of my running life four years ago, whatever it was. Mm. It's changed now. I, I, you know, it's a maturity thing. I kind of needed the communities back then to inspire mm. me because uh, it inspired me as much as I inspired those within it. Mm. Um, because, you know, I, I'm a people person. I, I love people. I love f- meeting new people and, and talking to them about stuff, as long as they're not dicks. And, yeah. and there were so many great people in those communities. And I was glad to be part of it, but I've moved on. I'm not in Twitter anymore, so I'm not part of those conversations necessarily. And the people that I'd met that I wanted to retain, I talked to in the real world. You know? Yeah. We have WhatsApp groups, <laughs> you know, we talk on the phone, mm. we see each other from time to time. Um, and so that evolved. And now, well, I can look back at when I was popular um, and I, I, I have to laugh because, yes, I was influential. I'm probably more so now, but I'm just not aware of it. Yeah. And I, I, I think the um, juicy fodder and no nonsense race reviews still sticks. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to move on. Um, it was called the not so quick fire. Oh shit! Sorry, was questions. that one of the quick questions? No, um, but um, you know, it's 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 got a valid title, hasn't it? It's not so quick, you know. So uh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's quite fitting. But the next question is actually two more questions: is what one quote inspires you? Um, I couldn't find one. I know lots of people that love this stuff. Mm. I know people that post the, the quotes all the time. Um, I know people that have wonderful quotes, but they didn't really resonate with me. Um, and so I came up with my own. Uh, that is actually the tagline of my blog, as it is, mm. which is, if you can't run faster, go further. Um, yeah. Again, we were talking earlier about how you don't always hit PBs. I can't remember the last time I did, but I don't care because if I can't go faster, I just go further. Yeah, so. yeah. And that's a Fantastic. quote for me. Make up your own quotes, people. <laughs> Don't be cheap. Yeah. And finally, Darren, what one piece of advice would you give to someone new to the sport of running? It's a loose, loosely wor- using the word sport there as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a sport when I do it. Um, I would say, hmm, try to experience as much or as many different types of running as possible. Do trail, do mountains, mm. do track, do fa- short distance fast, do long distance slow. Because you can't, it's like when you li- you're at school, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? Yeah, don't really know. Um, mm. However, if you try lots of different things, you'll find out what fits for you. And at the beginning, mm. it was a 10K leading into a half for me. But now, 100 Marathon Club and trail marathons and trail ultras. That's what that's my bag now, and yeah, I think if someone starting new is going in it with a very narrow view, they should expand that view as much as possible. Yeah, so um, just don't explore what's on your doorstep. Explore the world. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
And I think that's a fantastic way to finish, Darren. Well, what about to... the six-star question? Come on, well, you asked me I, I about think it. The, I think there needs to be part two to this, you know, when you're up for a chat. <laughs> you can fight um, me back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, um, it's fantastic. And, you know, um, I've loved chatting with you. And um, I've actually got a co-host who um, recorded with me on the last episode. So, you know, I'll um, draft her in and we'll um, reconvene for part two. Yeah, what do you think? Well, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, that's man. fantastic. It has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Um, but yeah, you know, look out for part two. It's in the works to be continued. <laughs> I look forward to it. You can ask me about six star finishes and all that stuff. Because I'll tell you what, oh, definitely. I am so far away from it. But more next time, listeners. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just to finish off, you know, um, it's quite a sensitive subject to talk about because I had my first star taken away from this year, which was the NYC marathon. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Well, you know, I, I lived in New York for 10 years and I was supposed to run it this year. You know, I've done, oh. I've done, I didn't, uh, Berlin as my first, London as my second two years later and Chicago last year. And I got into Chicago and New York this year. But when I lived in New York, just to tell it off, I didn't run. So I need to go back to my old city and run around it because it's something that's missing in my life. I need yeah, closure. Yeah. I need closure on running in New York City. Yeah, it's unmet, unmet needs. Absolutely. Yeah, and I can resonate with that. But yeah, thank you once again, Darren, and we'll speak very soon. Absolutely. All the best. You too, mate. So there we have it, that is part one in the bag. I just want to give big thanks and big love to Darren for giving up his time and swinging by for a chat. Part two of the conversation is coming up in the next episode. If you enjoyed this one, please spread the word on social media and let me know your thoughts. Until then, keep it real and keep on doing your thing.